This is Unfilter, episode 220 for January 4th, 2017. Tonight, President Obama ordering strong and far-reaching retaliation against Russia for its unprecedented cyber attack on the U.S. election system. The U.S. is imposing sanctions against nine Russian individuals and entities, including the Russian spy agency, the FSB, and the Russian military intelligence unit, the GRU, both believed to be behind the hack. in the unfiltered world we are only less than two weeks away from uh president-elect donald trump's first press conference which is nice and also just uh, exactly 16 days away from the inauguration this is this is a great oh and our birthdays too right chris and i we, yeah we man, have birthdays. that's true hey did you have a good new year i did i you know i had a pretty low key because i was hanging out with the kids yeah but uh we went down had a little event little party got the hats got the little noisemakers yeah. Yes, those things. Yes, those. That things. was a good impression. <laughs> yeah, we got those. So we yes. did all of that stuff. But otherwise, otherwise it was pretty low key. Have you been uh, following t- uh, Trump on Twitter and uh, of course, keeping yeah. on, uh, oh, yeah. with, with your yeah. account, of course, at Chris Elias? I got to tell you, man, it has been nuts. When we don't have a show, I get all backed up with clips. I get all backed up. Thank you for finishing with, the sentence with clips. Yes. Yeah, because <laughs> there's so much going on. So, uh, so our so you're saying that this episode is an enema. Yeah, for, for, your, for your mind, for your mind, for your mind. Wow, yeah. that, that's that's yeah. very deep. We've been we've been tracking the news since we've been gone through the holidays, looking yes. for people trying to hide stuff in holiday news. Yes, and we got it all. We got it all, and we're going to bust through it rather chronologically. And really, today we normally start at cyber. Yeah, we always like the cyber. Cyber this week is kind of like cyber Russia. It's like one category. <laughs> well, now. they are hacking, yeah. Chris. I so, mean, come on. What I felt like to like, you know, you ever go to like, um, what's that candle store in the mall called? The the, the one that makes all the can- the candles in the glass jars. Dude, I go directly to like a, a tech store. What are you talking about? I well, just, I ever, smell it. And I go like that gives me a headache. I know and I move it's on. the worst. Know, and you know, one yeah. of the things they do in there is they give you like uh, coffee beans, and you sniff up these coffee beans to reset your nose. Really? Yeah. I've so that never way been you, in those. Stores. That way you can enjoy the bouquet of another candle. You don't seem the kind of guy that oh, I don't is like in the t- candle. This was seared into my memory because I was in this location for an uncomfortable amount of time. So I, I, I it's a very vivid re- recollection. Yeah. And uh, so this is our coffee sniff before we get into all the Russia stuff. All well, right. it actually kind of has a Russia angle. Dang it. Ah. But it's totally Snowden related, which is how the cyber segment got okay. started. Fair enough. So it's legit. All right. NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden has been in contact with Russian intelligence agencies since his arrival in Moscow and shared information obtained while on duty with them. That's according to a new highly critical report by the U.S. Congress. Snowden made public top-secret NSA files back in 2013 and was given asylum in Russia later that year. Alexei Yeroshevsky has more. So I got a little conspiracy bacon here. Wow, bacon already. Yeah, right off the top. And this is holiday bacon still, by the way. This is from Los Angeles, California. Yeah, although it did say best by December 19th. I'm not sure. Is that Well, you're cooking it. Yeah, that's true. You're cooking yeah. it well done. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So here's the here is what I think's going on. This is my conspiracy bacon about this. I this is a congressional report that basically calls Snowden a spy. And I think their effort here is to essentially lock in and box Trump on his options 
once he comes into office as to what he can do with Snowden. Plus, it plays right into all the Russia hype we have right Fair now. Fair enough. It checks two boxes. So I think that's what's going on with this congressional report. Actually, not a huge conspiracy bacon. No, I think there's a no, little bit of a connection there. I just wanted to warn people. Uh, fair <laughs> warm, warm. Yeah. Don't spoil them with the conspiracy bacon when it's not really conspiracy. No, the real conspiracy bacon this week comes from the mainstream media. It starts with this report about Russian malware found on computer equipment connected to the electrical grid. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. We begin with our top story. Yet another cyber attack in the U.S. with possible ties to Russia. This time the target is an electric utility in Vermont. Burlington Electric says malware code associated with a Russian... Malware code, Chase. Malware code. Malware, you know, code. Ma- malware code. Associated with a Russian hacking operation was found in one of its computers. The company said it discovered the possible breach after the Department of Homeland security issued an alert to utility companies. So this isn't a part of a report that we're going to talk about later. And in this report, it simply identifies malware that has an origination in Ukraine as the Russian malware. But this malware is available for purchase on the black market. I was just going to say, this doesn't mean Russia is hacking. There's just... There's, in fact, no evidence that Russia... Right. And so this could be from some kid who's working at the power station and just... that's the first. That's right. the first sort of it doesn't pass the sniff test. That's the first uh, mark I have. Uh, the first sort of warning sign or red light or whatever you want to call it about this story. Right. But then, then it turns out this laptop is like totally not connected to the power grid. Not an important piece of equipment. Thursday night. It's not known when the code entered the computer of the Vermont utility. But the discovery underscores just how vulnerable the nation's electric grid is. Actually, if anything, it underscores the fact that a computer was compromised. And because the computers that control the electrical grid were air-gapped, there was no further compromise. It started and ended on this laptop. However, it was infected. This actually shows good design. It's the opposite of what the CBS newsman just said. The opposite. <laughs> Scores just how vulnerable the nation's electric grid no, is. To- no, if, no, if no, they, no. If we accept the premise that they were attacked by Russia, directed via the state, probably their uh, intelligence agencies, and they penetrated this laptop because they want to get an electrical grid to experiment with the American electrical grid, if that premise is accepted, which we will for the sake of argument for a moment, then how lucky are we that it stopped and started right here at that laptop. Yeah, no kidding. That's that, it. That We're is good. that is a huge, huge, huge win. Like, wow, that could have been really bad. But instead, it shows how vulnerable we are. just how vulnerable the nation's electric grid is to potential hackers. The company issued a statement on Friday saying, quote, we detected the malware in a single Burlington Electric Department laptop not connected to our organization's grid system. We took immediate action to isolate the laptop and alerted federal authorities of the finding. So antivirus companies, a few antivirus companies have updated their antivirus patterns to detect these things. And that's how this was found. It's not like they did some big analysis. No. They just probably run ESET antivirus and they d- found d- it. So this was Vermont, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- think if you're some utility or some other like place in like, you know, Arkansas or something like, damn it, Vermont beat us to it. Because, you know, the, they're not going to be the only one that's going to have some weird malware. We get malware not, I wouldn't say all the time, but we get you know events that pop up every once you in a while. You get users browsing the web, getting emails and outlets. You get hijacked gonna, ads. You're I mean, gonna these things get happen. malware. It's yes. how it works. Back to the story we reported moments ago. The U.S. government is firing back at Russia for its hacking during the presidential election this year. Now, just to clarify, that hacking would be John Podesta clicking on a phishing link. Where, it's not a hack. Where he clicked on it. Now, here's the thing about John Podesta. His password was password. What? 
Are you serious? Yes. You, now I think there might have been like like a, like a couple of things in there, but it's, it, it, was, it was password. It was password. Oh my god! It might have been a fancy, uh, <laughs> but it was password. Uh, he even said he even said that he even admitted to that. His IT guy told him the link was legitimate, that he should click on it and reset his password. Wow. John Podesta fell for a very, very simple phishing attack. Wow. Then somehow that phishing attack was then delivered via Russia to WikiLeaks. That's the hack that they are now they are so now supposedly striking back. For its hacking during the presidential election this year, 35 Russian diplomats in Washington, Maryland, and San Francisco have been given 72 hours to leave the United States. President Obama has released an executive order saying, quote, all Americans should be alarmed by Russia's actions. In October, my administration publicized. Let's stop right here because a couple of things of interest. So it is part of getting those people out of the United States. It works out to be like 78 people in total after you count their families. Uh, They actually, the State Department seized two different buildings owned by Russia that that have been here since Reagan. And they just kind of came in and seized them. They took them, which is I don't know why don't that is that is that is fascinating. Then listen to Obama's language here when Obama releases a statement saying that all Americans should be worried. Notice how he specifically mentions dates as if he's trying to make sure that we have a narrative of the way this thing rolled out. Americans should be alarmed by Russia's actions. In October, my administration publicized our assessment that Russia took actions intended to interfere. A.K.A. we were talking about this before the election. Right. I'm on the record as saying this, everybody. With the U.S. election process, these data theft and disclosure activities could only have been directed by the highest levels of the Russian government. Moreover, our diplomats have experienced an unacceptable level of harassment in Moscow by Russian security services. Oh, I wonder if that's what it's really about, <laughs> is your diplomat, a.k.a. spies, or I, you're, they're over there and they're getting a lot of questions. Mm. Mm. So how do you suppose Putin's going to respond to something like this? Well, I thought, honestly, he was going to do the same thing. Yeah, and, I did, too. I and, did, too. He went and, a totally different and route. And then he took the most humorous route I think I've ever seen the, a leader the do. The ultimate troll. Yeah. Tonight, Russians vacating compounds shut down by the U.S. Russian President Vladimir Putin, however, dismissing Washington's payback. Instead, wishing President Obama and his family a happy new year. Saying in a statement, quote, we will not stoop to the level of irresponsible diplomacy. It is a pity that the President Obama administration finishes its work this way, but nevertheless, I congratulate him and his family a happy new year. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov recommended Putin expel 35 American diplomats from Russia after the U.S. ordered 35 alleged Russian spies to leave the U.S. by this weekend. We cannot let such... You notice how they call them diplomats when they're ours in Russia, but when they are in the United States, he calls them spies. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov recommended Putin expel 35 American diplomats... Okay, American diplomats... ...from Russia after the U.S. ordered 35 alleged Russian spies to... Alleged Russian spies. Now, why not Russian diplomats? Right. One of them was a chef. One of them was a cook. ...leave the U.S. by this weekend. We cannot let such escapades happen without a response. The Russian Foreign Ministry, together with our colleagues from other departments, have made a proposal to declare 31 staff from the Embassy of Moscow and four diplomats from the General Consulate of St. Petersburg as persona non grata. President Putin, likely waiting for a far friendlier administration under Donald Trump, did not take that advice, saying in his statement... 
We will not create problems for American diplomats. We will not send anyone away. With a stroke of drama, Putin even issued this invitation. A stroke (laughs) of drama. That's great. To American children. In response to the new U.S. sanctions, I invite all children of the U.S. diplomats to the New Year and Christmas children's show at the Kremlin. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I mean, I know nothing would legitimately happen, but it's like, come, 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 come join us. That is. It'll be okay. That is really something. Wow. I wonder if Snowden showed up. I wonder if Snowden's at the Christmas party. <laughs> He's just uh, hanging out. Yeah. There, it's, it's interesting to see how Russia's responding to this. The Obama administration has imposed a set of unprecedented measures against Russia over its alleged attempts to influence the U.S. presidential campaign. Now, this report actually gives us a couple of details how these sanctions work. Interestingly enough, you know who's not being sanctioned? Mm. Putin. Of course not. Seems like Putin would be the number one guy on the list. I understand it would be unprecedented, uh, but not completely unprecedented. And it's been Putin, 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 but Putin not being sanctioned right. this year. Now, the sanctions target two Russian main intelligence agencies. They also single out three companies that supposedly provided support for Russian cyber operations against the Democratic Party. Four top military intelligence officials have been blacklisted from the U.S., and 35 Russian diplomats have been ordered to leave the United States along with their families within 72 hours. Finally, two Russian compounds in New York and Maryland are being shut down. They were supposedly being used by Russian personnel for intelligence-related purposes. Now, the new sanctions were unveiled after the release of a joint report by the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security. RT's Caleb Maupin has more. It will stop there. But it's in the supporter sink if you would like to see more, as they put it. Now, the State Department, just to make sure we're all on the same page, has no doubts. No doubt. Tonight, CNN has learned President-elect Trump will soon be briefed by leaders of the U.S. intelligence community, including chief spy James Clapper and CIA director John Brennan. I love the cyber sounds, dude. On the unprecedented interference. You know, I wonder if more and more Americans believe that the Russians influenced, I guess I saw some poll, I can't remember. There was some poll that went around so that more Americans are believing that Russian was involved with uh, actually well, changing the vote. It's, 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 it's easy to uh, get people to start believing things aren't true if you just keep repeating the lie yeah, and well, and over also, and over. What is this B-roll of in the CNN report? It's B-roll of the voting machines. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's implying a message to the viewer and that, poll booths. Right. It's implying a message to the viewer that's not true, that it jeopardized voting. It jeopardized voting booths. Right. And, and the, Again, the, true, the true democratic thing that we do, that I, we hold dear. I know we say this all the time, but see, yeah. both Chase and I, we edit videos. so we Images are, matter. We are really, we are really aware of like every single, every single image like this. Like that's, that's something they went out and got Stockholm image now, from. Now, to be fair, to be fair, this is some editor, some guy... I don't think he's being given the directive. Oh, I, I sincerely believe that they, they have what is called editor's note sheets, and it's very clearly stated in there. Well, I think it's clearly stated the intention is this. I don't think there's any question about it. I don't think this is an independent you – don't, I don't think that's – because here's why I'd say that. Because otherwise they would they – would, from a journalistic standpoint, it is, it's journalism 101 that your imagery should convey the message. Right. That's journalism 101. So if, if, if they didn't want it in there, when it came out of the editing bay before it went on the air, they'd the, say the problem this is, is conveying the wrong message. But see, the problem is they're talking about voting, right? They're talking about the election. 
and the influence of the the, the vote. I think right? that's pretty charitable because okay, but if you're right, they're still accidentally sending the wrong message right. here. And I'm, and that's what I'm saying is we don't know. But the other thing though is if you're talking about a subject like voting, how do you display that message without showing voting? Like even the, I, I know that this sends well, a bad message. I, you know what I would do. No, yeah. you know what I would do. What would you? What would I would you have. Do? I would have. And they already they already have the assets of this because they did show these things up on screen during the news of it. I would have like shots of the WikiLeaks emails. There we go. I would have like you know emails stacking up of the WikiLeaks email. The, okay. I would have all very of, good. I like that B roll of Hillary Clinton talking about her email server, like okay. all that stuff, like. You don't need to show voting because, machine B-roll. Again, the hack, yeah. the no, hack that's a good, is good they, the yeah. contents of Hillary Clinton's email and the DNC exposed how corrupt they are, yeah. and the American public was revolted and therefore didn't vote for her. That's why. They yeah. didn't hack the voting machines. Right. No, that's no, a very good point. On the unprecedented interference of the U.S. election system, the high-profile briefing will come after months of Trump publicly challenging the intelligence community's assessment Russia is to blame. They make it sound like he hasn't gotten any other assessments, and uh, he's been getting briefings. It could be somebody else. And I also know things that other people don't know. So they cannot be sure. It could be Russia, but it could also be China. It could also be lots of other people. It also could be somebody sitting on their bed that weighs 400 pounds, okay? Maybe there is no hacking, but they always blame Russia. And the reason they blame Russia is because they think they're trying to tarnish me with Russia. President Obama ordered the full review last month to look at the cyber intrusions impacting U.S. elections going back to 2008. Again with the polling booths. Yeah. And specifically the oh, hack against the Democratic Party during the 2016 election. Expected in the public version of the report, newly declassified information laying out the evidence supporting the intelligence community's assessment that the Russian government is the perpetrator. That report did not contain any such thing. I have it linked in the show notes if you'd like to see it. I read it. The, first of all, the report cl- starts with a disclaimer. So a b- super quick background. I won't go into the whole the whole spiel because I've probably said it in the Unfiltered show three times now. Uh, I used to do penetration testing. That's how I my the vendor that I worked for, the IT vendor I worked for, would get into companies and get you know big, huge, year-long contracts is we would come into a free security assessment. I would do penetration testing and then I would write a report of the vulnerabilities I found. So right. I'm actually I'm actually very familiar with this style of report. And this was a shit report. First <laughs> of all, they confused malware groups and actors right. with application names. Oh, geez. And they misunderstood websites with group names. And again, they intermingled the three. You mean it, they, it didn't really get, they didn't get any experts on to they, talk about? They start the top of the report out with, uh, it's a big PDF. They start the top of the report out with a big disclaimer that they don't guarantee any of the information in the report. Uh, and they never once mention WikiLeaks in any of the report. Of course not. Yep. And the only evidence that links to Russia is sort of, Implied because this Ukrainian malware is supposedly used by Russia. So it's a really bad report. And I have a clip from Assange that I think just probably should get a lot of airplay. It's not it's not getting much attention. It got on Fox. There's a little discussion on CNN. But all this talk about about this report that links the hack to Russia and the consensus of 17 different intelligence agencies and now the FBI is on board. It's all crap. Because according to Assange, he never got any of the information from Russia, and I believe him. I believe it was Seth Rich. Tonight, CNN has... Whoa, I don't need that again. I don't need that. (laughs) It's one down from that one. We can say 
um, we have said uh, repeatedly uh, over the last two months uh, that our source uh, is not the Russian government uh, and it is not a state party. Boom. Boom. So, you know, it was interesting. He, but, you know, when he did, you know, when he held that interview on January 3rd, yesterday. So, so, Hold on one sec. All right. Do you know right. what else happened yesterday? Uh, January 3rd. Went back the day to that, The day that he had this interview? No. It was Seth Rich's birthday. Oh. That's interesting. So what were we going to say? What I was going to say about that is he could be factually accurate. I mean, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. There's no direct involvement, but right. there could be, uh, so, you know. Great point. In the over, yeah. if, I really encourage people to stick around to the overtime. I play the entire interview because you're right. There could, you could make the argument that maybe Russia financed the people. Right. Of course, that's not what we've been told. No. But, you, but so uh, there, I play two more parts of the interview in the overtime. It's big. It's great. It's long. Some super good uh, questions that Sean Hannity actually managed to ask. I don't know how that happened. Uh, but it was good. So th- well, you know, it's interesting. Like Fox News will surprise us with little yeah, nuggets. Yeah. Like, you know, the debates, for an example. Uh, I thought – and it wasn't Chris Matthews. It was – what's his name? Wallace. Uh, Wallace. I thought he did a tremendous job in the debates uh, and really had a, a, an even keel. So, I mean, Fox News can – you know, broken clock is right twice a day. Now, this is not going away. This is – Trump's not going to come in on the 20th uh, and all of this Russia stuff goes away. Right. There are – there are people like John McCain and Lindsey Graham and uh, boy, I can't, who was that uh, shaved head guy that was a CIA agent that ran for president? He never had a shot. Chatham, could you help me out with his name? Uh, uh, he was he was he was a third party candidate, I think, and he was he was never had a shot, but he had like a he had like a Lex Luthor type. Sh- yeah, totally I kind of re- yeah, I, I kind of remember that guy. Uh, these guys are working to make sure that Trump is going to be super boxed in on his choices with Russia. The first hearings on the apparent Russian hacking are going to be tomorrow on Capitol Hill. Senator John McCain at the Senate Armed Services Committee. And you can expect he and his uh, close friend, Senator Lindsey Graham, also on that committee, to aggressively go after the issue tomorrow. And it's going to be fascinating to see how Donald Trump responds to the press coverage of that hearing. Uh, I was on the Hill yesterday, and I'm told that while Senator McConnell, the leader of Republicans in the Senate, has said he does not want to do a select committee to investigate the Russian hacking, he is willing to let McCain and Graham hold as many hearings as they want pursuing this issue. Why is it McCain and Graham? Why is it McCullen? Why is it these guys? There's others. Those two, McCain... Yeah. And Graham, yeah. Republicans. Yeah. Their guy won. Their party's never been stronger. Their guy won. Why yeah. Why is it them? Do you have any guesses? Because I think I have a theory. I think I have a theory. I don't know. I mean, I, I, right. I don't I have a theory some, on that one. I have some supporting links in the show notes to, to sort of flesh this out. Okay. You may or may not remember a long time ago, like when we first started talking about ISIS. ISIL, we, by the way. Oh, yeah, IS. We showed a picture of John McCain in a meeting with uh, "quote unquote" moderate rebels that turned out to be like the group that. Oh, decapit- I remember that. Yeah, he yeah. took pictures and all that. Yeah, stuff. and yeah. He, he it ended up being the group that like decapitated children's heads. Like they were not moderates at all. And uh, this was before the "quote unquote" civil war really kicked off. The other people involved with that same group: Lindsey Graham and McCullen. Oh, McCullen's actually even in the photos with Lindsey Graham or wow. uh, with uh, McCain. Okay. I believe this goes back to what I was talking about last week. All of this cyber, cyber, cyber stuff and the sanctions are really about Syria. They're about the fact that Russia has embarrassed us in Syria. They've bombed our guys that we've armed and trained and equipped. 
they've really changed the game for us, and they they effed up our plan for regime change. We wanted Assad out, and they just I mean, Assad's not going anywhere now. Now he's got Iran, China, and Russia backing him. Yeah, like it went it went total worst case. And if you look at the people that got all in. Like a lot of them are suffering politically for it right now. And John McCain and Lindsey Graham, part of the industrial military complex, they've been flying under the radar on this whole thing. But they have been they you know, they've been at certain points intimately connected to these groups, these groups that Russia has been bombing. So that way their ally Assad doesn't have to make a what what do they call a political transition. Right. Uh, I think that's what all of this is actually about. It's payback for that. It's payback for embarrassing us there. It's payback for them coming in and taking power in the Middle East. And that's why McCain's doing this, because he wants Russia to pay for it. And he wants to box Trump in on what his options are, because somebody's got to pay for this. Right. You can't do this to the U.S. of A. There will be a cost. I think that's what's going on. That's not a bad theory. Yeah, it's not bacon? You think it's straight no, up? No, I think that's very think plausible. Lit? I mean, because the cyber yeah. attack is ridiculous. It's it's stupid on its face. It's it's not a hack. I mean, they need to stop calling it a hack. And in fact, it's not. in the overtime, we'll have a little bit of what appears to be couching. Like, they're... Different members of the former former members of the CIA or different spokespeople for the CIA are starting to back away a little bit. Uh, and starting to say, well, maybe it wasn't quite Russia. It's complicated. I got the clips in the right. overtime to talk about it. All right. Speaking of Russia, just a, a little bit of talking about Russia and Syria before we move on to other world news. The uh, situation in Syria is actually looking pretty good. We have a ceasefire in place. And uh, John Kerry was right on the front lines negotiating the entire thing. It's a huge legacy win for him and President oh, – what? Oh, Hold on, Chase. Yeah, you're getting that my, word? My, my, feed, my feed tells me that uh, the United States wasn't even invited. <laughs> Russia, Turkey, and Iran working toward a solution to bring the civil war raging in Syria to an end. But noticeably missing from the negotiating table is the United States of America. There is a significant vacuum of power in the Middle East now. <laughs> Brand new Hour of America's Newsroom. I'm Bill Hemmer. Thank you for being with us today. Martha's got some time off for the holiday. How are you doing, Heather? I'm doing good. Nice it's to be back. Working all day, yeah, aren't busy, you? Busy day, yeah. <laughs> I'm in for Martha. And officials from all three countries, as we mentioned, they're holding talks this week in Moscow. But the U.S. Secretary of State was not invited and the United Nations not consulted. Rich Edson is live for us at the State Department. Rich, the State Department claims that this is not a snub. How so? Heather, the State Department is saying exactly that. Spokesman John Kirby denies the United States has been sidelined or excluded. However, the U.S. is acknowledging that Secretary of State John Kerry was not invited to these discussions. Oh, I wonder why. Is that because we lost all influence over the rebels that we funded? (laughs) There's also leaked audio of John Kerry coming out that I think embarrassed them pretty bad. Uh, So a little more on the ceasefire. A potential breakthrough tonight in the Syrian civil war that has ravaged the country for six years and left hundreds of thousands of people dead. Tonight, a ceasefire throughout the entire country is in effect in an agreement that was reached without the United States. Senior Foreign Affairs correspondent Greg Talcott has the details. It could be the first ceasefire in the nearly six-year-long Syrian civil war with even the remotest chance of working. Now, the reason why is because all of the different groups involved actually have a stake. Uh, even even some of the different rebel groups showed up at the table. So a lot of the different actual 
players in the situation over there. Not all of them are actually talking. Yeah, yeah. There are still there are still isolated clashes going on. A lot of them are the Al Qaeda backed ones, or the ones that we funded. Now to developing news from Syria, where the ceasefire appears to be holding. Russia and Turkey negotiated that truce, which took effect at midnight. Kitty Logan is live for us in London. Kitty, what is the situation like in Syria right now? Well, Heather, that ceasefire just came into force at midnight local time. It is largely holding, though there have been some isolated reports of clashes overnight. What we're hearing from Syrian monitors is reports of fighting near Idlib almost immediately after that ceasefire started last night. And some 12 hours later, there were clashes north of Damascus. Not clear how that started, but Syrian government jets are said to have carried out several airstrikes in response. And observers also say that helicopter gunships were deployed. Elsewhere, there is said to be relative calm. Now, of course, the Syrian president himself announced this ceasefire yesterday in a deal brokered by Turkey and Russia. It's the third formal ceasefire in this long-running conflict. Now, why is it between Turkey and Russia? Because let's be honest, all of the rebels that we've been funding and arming are coming from the Turkey border. In fact, Turkey has been patching them back up and sending them back over the border, giving them medical. So that's why Turkey's at the table. That's why Turkey matters so much. Now, it's interesting. The U.S. totally out. John Kerry snubbed. Yeah. But it sounds like later on this month, that might change. Now, let's turn to Syria and the ceasefire there, because there have been reports of clashes outside the capital, Damascus, involving militant groups which are not party to the deal. However, Russia's envoy to the U.N., Vitaly Chorkin, does say that the truce is largely holding. Uh, The ceasefire was brokered between Russia, Turkey and Iran, but the Russian envoy does Hmm. expect the U.S. to be involved in future peace talks. Yes, we do expect that uh, the Trump administration, after it comes into the White House on January 20, uh, will be uh, an important participant. Oh, isn't that interesting? And what a slab in the face to Barry before he's even out of the office. Well, we will wait for Trump and uh, then we talk. So uh, you can imagine this is probably getting a lot of play in Western media, a lot of attention by Uh, CNN. uh, What? No? Chris, um, no? you know, oh. I've been looking at... Uh, hey, but Chase, look over there. Big Daddy, Big Daddy. Uh, what? Fresh intelligence has emerged about ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi just days before President Obama leaves office. A U.S. official tells CNN, quote, In the last few weeks, we've been aware of some of Baghdadi's movements. Would that be... What a pickoff if that happened. Would that be like the ultimate mic drop? Yeah, it would. Yeah. I would be really impressed. Um... But let's go with this. Let's say they've they've should they be sharing this with the media? Because if they want to get this guy before he's out of office, you know what Trump says, you know, what Trump says we shouldn't be sharing this. You know, I know that's but really, in fact, listen to the rest of this report. Like they basically would tip this guy off that we're on to him. If he it's not like he can't get CNN. The official would not offer additional details due to the sensitivity of the intelligence. There's a trail. Uh, it is at least possible uh, to begin to pick up certain things. And when you pick up those certain indications of where a person has been, it becomes far more likely that you can actually find him. No one is saying if the terrorist leader is in Iraq or hunkered down in Raqqa, Syria. But several efforts are underway. Now, look, now, I really don't think Barbara Starr should be laying this out. <laughs> U.S. officials tell CNN there are a number of buildings in central Raqqa. Un- she doesn't right. even. She doesn't right, even. So first off, that means nothing. 
That's that's okay. Buildings because, under observation in Raqqa. That's that tells you at least a city. Well, the, but they know that he was there anyway. Get the hell out of Raqqa, Baghdadi, if you don't want to get shot by a drone. Well, no. If then it's he, under observation, then they'll know that he left. I wish you would be more clear about the source. Is this a leak? Under observation, the U.S. is looking for movement of any senior ISIS leaders. Toyota! Communications are being intercepted. From raids in Mosul, Iraq, documents and data seized and reviewed for fresh... Are they uh, seizing and uh, getting these documents by uh, phishing or any kind of malware? (laughs) Tips. U.S. Special Operations Forces on the ground talking to whomever may know something. Last month, a rare audio recording encouraging his fighters to stand strong in Mosul. Just like with Osama bin Laden. Yeah. The U.S. just raised to $25 million the reward for his capture. The goal has been to take away his layers of protection and security. These people have to communicate, even if they don't communicate uh, via the Internet or via phone. uh, They have to communicate in one way or the other. U.S. intelligence is focused on isolating Baghdadi by killing those close to him. Nearly a dozen senior operatives so far. We took out three of ISIL's key leaders. Womp, womp. Dude, we don't have that uh, clip of Hillary last... on, on the, you know, he's dead, he's gone. What, that, like that that classic Hillary where yeah. she's like cackling about, yeah. uh, who, who was we it? Came, oh, we came, we saw, he died. <laughs> I, we might, yeah. I might have it. Do you want me to see if I can no, find it? Uh, it's not important, but I thought that. Come on, I mean, that's my favorite <laughs> clip. That's my favorite clip. So, I mean, that is the land of unconfirmed yes. We came, we saw, he died. <laughs> Did it have anything to do with your visit? No, oh, I'm sure it did. Do you know who she's laughing? She's Uma's standing right off uh, camera uh, there holding it. By the way. Holding, holding cue her, cards? No. no <laughs> holding her Blackberry. Uma read that very, very interesting piece of information first. And by uh, the way, WikiLeaks has told us that it wasn't a government official that right. told him that. It wasn't but, a state party, right? Yeah, it was a Hillary insider. Uh, I mean, think about it. If you're an inside guy with Baghdadi. And you have a $25 million offer on the table. I mean, gosh. Yeah. Wouldn't you turn him in? Well, I don't, if he's really like this guy that's orchestrating all this ISIS stuff, maybe up that up to a solid 50 mil. Let's just go ahead and get <laughs> just, this done. Let's just go right to it. Maybe a bill even. It'd probably save us money overall and just jet fuel. Did I get that in PayPal? <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin right now. All right. So I want to just do one fake news story, and then uh, we'll break for uh, well, Patreon. I want to talk real quick before we get in that fake news story. And I, and I actually sent you a message about this. I, I commute a lot, and I listen to talk radio a lot. Yeah, Berlin. And the local CBS radio affiliate, KIRO in Seattle, I don't know if they're still doing this. I haven't listened in a few days. But at the end, they would say, you know, thanks for listening. This is CBS News and, you know, the yeah. local. They started adding a new tagline. So you tuned into as a source for real news. This is CBS. And I was like, and I, and I sent you a message. I was trying to get a clip of it and it's I couldn't. So creepy. But I was just like, why, why are they drawing attention saying that, oh, we're real news? Are, are they really either they're so pushing insecure? The, are they pushing the narrative? That you know they're trying to get rid of these other outlets, or they're scared. I mean, why else would you do that? I, I mean, that shows incredibly weak positioning. I by agree. CBS. I couldn't believe when you told me that. Yeah. So here is our uh, fake news of the day. Now, fake news is making a comeback to the headlines yeah! and hashtags after the Washington Post retracts its big story on Russian hackers penetrating the U.S. power grid. Apparently, they didn't. The paper has now added an editorial correction, but for some, it was too little, too late. Many are already accusing the outlet of simply spreading fake news, supposedly used to influence various aspects of the political process. The Washington Post has been having a big problem with this. And I will say this. I think 
calling them out, you know, th- that's a good thing because we really want our news organizations, all of them, to be reporting factual and investigative information. Sure. Not hearsay. That's right. We want good stuff. So, you know what? If it's WAPO or whoever, whoever's doing it, do it. All right, Chase, you ready to uh, yeah! open up the sack? By the way, thanks to all you patrons. We had a couple sign up for Club 33. There's just a, a handful of spots remaining. So if you want to get in the exclusive club that is Club 33, please do so. We got a couple of messages. I'm First not one. i that with an answer. Oh, yeah, you will. Uh, Chance writes in and says, hey, Happy New Year. Now, I asked all of our Club 33ers, you know, what are they looking at? In 2017, what is on their radar? And so we got a couple. First off, he is here's what I'm keeping an eye on in 2017. One, Standing Rock activists' well-being and Dakota Pipeline remaining unbuilt. So yeah, we'll see. yeah, that's we'll, a good yeah, one. we'll definitely see if anything happens there. Number two, mainstream media outlets desperately trying to convince Americans that all news is fake unless you hear it on network news. And actually, Chance, that's already happened with CBS Radio anyway. Number three, DNC warmongering, I hate that word, with Russia. Well, that's, it doesn't matter who's in charge. Someone's always going to do that. Number four, U.S. support of Saudi Arabian oil interests in the Middle East. Five, Israel losing U.S. support in the U.N. No opinion here, just interesting. Looking forward to a good year in 2017 and hoping new administration in the U.S. will alleviate some domestic and global issues that have been discussed on the show. I'm a longtime listener and first-time patron. Yes! Right on! Thank you for the news and info every week. Keep fighting the good fight. And that was from Chance. And finally, last but certainly not least, this comes in from Veratuna. By the way, Veratuna, thank you very much for the uh, shorter... Uh, letter to this week. Uh, he says, hey, happy new year, peeps. Hope you have had a great one and looking forward to the Nuvo Anno. The, wait, 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 wait. That's what he says. Nuvo Anno. Is that like some sort of like hipster slang for new years? That, yeah, new new. I'm an old man, so maybe wow. I don't. I'm, well, what do we call ourselves? We're not millennials, are we? What are we? We're Gen X or I, Gen Y? I don't even I think know. we're in this gray area. I refuse to be a millennial, so. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, on. 2017 is the year where the UK tries to implement its back guano crazy idea of keeping all its citizens' traffic so that it can sift through it with impunity and share said data with hundreds or thousands of more civil employees and, of oh, course, contractors. I secretly use Arch Linux. Yes. And in other news, Brexit looks like it's going to be fun with the resignation of the UK European ambassador leaving a vicacious remoter hole in the EU team, excuse me, showing the rest of the EU that under the table handshakes will be going on here. What fun! By the way, talking about Brexit for a minute, it's been been kind of quiet. Yeah, there's been there's been some there's been, been some stuff. But. I know, but they've been really kicking the can down the road. Oh yeah, and, and we I totally we, we made that. a re- we made yeah. a red book prediction yeah. that I think it's they're going to probably do one more referendum. Kick a kick a and we'll kick see. it down the road. We'll if see. you want to be a patron, thank you so much for supporting us. Head over to Patreon.com/slash/unfilter. You can join Club Thirty Three, and thank you for all of the guys that uh, and gals that uh, jumped in uh, during our holiday break. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everybody, so much. We have an overtime segment coming up dedicated just to you. Yes. And if you signed up, your name will get read during that time. All right, but back into the news. Here we go. Uh, Speaking of Carrie, your good friend, your good buddy. buddy, Yeah. He really, like, what is it called? Like, stepped on the hornet's nest or kicked the hornet's nest? What's this that term? Uh, Stirred up the hornet's nest. Yeah, boy, with this situation with Israel. 
meetings at his Mar-a-Lago resort Wednesday to weigh in on U.S.-Israeli relations. When do you see the United Nations... It's funny. So CBS loves to always make everything about Trump. They took this clip of Trump talking about the United Nations and make it about Israel. problems. They don't. They cause problems. So- Trump's comments came after the U.N. Security Council recently voted to condemn Israel for... So Trump's sitting there doing his press, you know, ah, the U.N., when they cause problems, they're not worth it. Maybe we should defund them. Really what this is about is a vote that happened to the U.N. It has nothing to do with Trump. We're continuing to build settlements in the West Bank. The resolution also condemned Palestinian violence. The United States did, in fact, vote in accordance with our values. In an impassioned speech, Secretary of State John Kerry said the decision to allow the vote to move forward was in line with long-standing U.S. policy. The Israeli Prime Minister publicly supports a two-state solution, but his current coalition is the most right-wing in Israeli history. Kerry said Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's support for settlement building has hurt the peace process. The two-state solution is now in serious jeopardy. Netanyahu offered a blistering response. Israelis do not need to be lectured about the importance of peace by foreign leaders. The prime minister accused Kerry of downplaying the threat posed by Palestinian violence and expressed disappointment with current U.S. policies. Israel hopes that the outgoing Obama administration will prevent any more damage being done to Israel at the U.N. in its waning days. Waning days. Burn. Obama's getting burned these days. Well, I mean, honestly, though, is this how you solve the issues that are going on over there? I mean, I mean, by by saying, you know, we're going to build on this disputed territory and we're not you're going to we're going to do it no matter what. By the way, another Netanyahu just unrelated. He's currently under investigation for corruption. He just got investigated by the police. Uh, So I think this whole thing is weird because. It feels like we're not discussing the actual issue. We're, 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 he, Netanyahu says it's about the survival of Israel. Obama and Kerry say it's about creating a two-state solution. To me, what it really seems like is about, again, pissing in the punch before you leave. Right. You're, on, you're, on, you're on your way out and you're pissing in the punch. That's wow. really what it seems like to me. Yeah. All right. I want to I cover a couple other things. Okay. Uh, there's, there is um, – there is, I think, another reason for all of this, Russia blaming, cyber this, hacks that, influencing the election. And I think there's a reason why Obama is stirring the bee's nest up or sticking his dick in the hive or whatever it is he's doing. <laughs> right. I think part of it is because the Democrats have lost a massive amount of influence. Oh, yeah. They're practically a minority party now. And so they're, they're, the people that, re- that run the party are having to adjust to a whole bunch of new realities. Uh, and I think Van Jones summed up one new reality. The Clinton era is over. When Hillary Clinton had a chance to make a VP pick, she didn't pick someone from the progressive wing. That is a – do you remember when That's she – That's fact, yeah. This, that was the beginning of the end. I really – I remember when she picked that guy. Like nobody knows who he was. Nobody knew this guy. Why didn't she – everybody wanted – everybody that wanted a progressive wanted Elizabeth Warren. And I think she would have gotten a lot of Bernie supporters. Now, she was too afraid of a – I think – I believe Miss I'm going to break the the ultimate glass ceiling was too afraid that a woman woman ticket would lose. Right. So she went with a safe guy who wouldn't outshine her. Which made it much harder to heal those wounds with the Sanders and Elizabeth Warren wing. Keith Ellison represents that wing very, very well. You also, I think, have to remember that uh, Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are going to be there on the Senate floor every day. 
that's going to be an important part. You have to understand, I think, that the, the Clinton days are over. This idea that we're going to be this moderate party that's going to move in this direction, it's going to we. throw uh, blacks under the bus for criminal justice reform, and, or, or, or for, for prison expansion, it's going to throw workers under the bus for NAFTA. Those days are over. You can't run and hide. You've got to be an authentic person from the beginning. You're going to be judged based on your authentic commitment to the... I mean, this reality is, too, the other thing I think he's right about that is uh, Hillary Clinton is out of office. Bill Clinton is out of office. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are still in office. They're still in the game. Uh, They're still going to have influence. And and not only that, they're they're fighting. Uh, I don't don't know if you heard, but Bernie was on the floor uh, today of Congress, and he was holding up uh, a big tweet of Donald Trump's during a presentation of his. Yeah. So he, you know, he, him and That's Elizabeth That's a good theatric Warren, right there, you know, too. It, yeah, and it's his words. It's like, do it, you're a liar. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where people need to realize that auth- being auth- authentic is very important, you know. Well, especially if you're looking at somebody's track record and you want change and you want to drain the swamp, like everybody says. Drain the swamp. Yeah, uh, you, you need somebody that you actually think will do that. So check out this next clip. This is about... Obama and why Obama doesn't necessarily have a ton of sway with Democrats right now either. I think we'll see Obama uh, go to the Hill, meet with Democrats about Obamacare uh, on Thursday. I do wonder what kind of reception he's going to get because he is someone who hasn't really made Congress a priority. He hasn't really fostered the party party as a priority uh, over his last eight years. And just at the end there, did he start kicking in and, you know, trying to get trying to make up, I guess, for lost time. So that'll be really interesting. In addition to so there's that. Uh, then also here is all oh, where is here it is. Here is sound of uh, Harry Reid. I think he's like calling into a podcast or something. Hi, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me. You're on. welcome. So he jumps into Harry Reid jumps into his recent win or uh, say, right, can't, I, last campaign in Nevada. Right here. That uh, in spite of. Um, the Koch brothers who said they were going to embarrass me by so-called taking over the Reed machine, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> but I knew they couldn't do that. Uh, they only had they had less than a year to do that, and I've been working for many, many years to develop a good, strong state party. Now, here it comes. And so we proved election night that the Koch brothers can't buy their way into everything. They buy themselves, buy themselves a lot, but they couldn't buy Nevada. So my... So, Jack, here's my answer. I believe one of the failures of the Democratic Party has been the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, has been worthless. Uh, they do nothing. Yeah. Well, it's actually... I'm going to keep it going. Yeah. No, well, actually, Senator Reid, it's not that they're worthless, that they put all their chips in behind somebody... That well, was corrupt, and, and they Clintons, were corrupt themselves. The Clintons spent a long time stacking the deck. I mean, they had the oh, super yeah. delegates. They had they had a lot of people inside they, of the they, DNC. They lined up Debbie so, Wasserman Schultz. They lined up everybody. So you've got you've got you've got Van Jones uh, making a pretty cognizant argument that it's the Clinton era is over. You've got the CNN panel arguing that Obama doesn't hold much influence, and you've got Harry Reid saying the DNC is worthless. Been worthless. Uh, they do nothing to help state parties. That should be the main goal they have. I've developed everything in Nevada on my own. 
their help was relatively meaningless. You can listen to the entire interview if you'd like. And then here's a little roundup that RET put together to jab Obama on his way out <laughs> about what a shit show it's been since he's come to office. It has become the worst year for the Democrats in almost a century. From when Obama took office in 2008 through 2016 elections, Democrats have lost 63 seats in the House, 11 seats in the Senate, 13 governorships, and nearly 1,000 seats in state legislatures. This is the lowest they've got since the 1920s, and even the Democrats themselves admit they lack strategy or a plan. So this is what it's really about. This is a major problem for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean— it, they were trying to continue uh, a legacy, if you will, that the majority of Americans did not want anymore. They wanted somebody new. They wanted somebody fresh. And and also, I think the Democrat, the Democrats, the the, the Obama Clinton Democrats have shifted to they're the they are the pro war party. They are the pro globalization party. They the only thing progressive about them. The only thing progressive really about them is. Uh, they're, I would say, probably their pro-gay uh, rights yeah. and uh, climate change. But outside of those particular core briefs, beliefs, they are – they've been warmongering for war with Russia, a nuclear power. They've created a horrible situation in Syria and Libya. This is all Democrats. I mean the Democrats have become a warmongering party. The whole way through the election, they're warmongering with Russia. Yeah, but to be fair, though, the Republicans are very big into defense. Yeah, and, I know. And spending a lot of Ironically, money there. Ironically, there's just yeah. very little difference between them. Yeah, there isn't. Yeah. So the pro- that was the problem with Hillary. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's going back to the clip we played from Van Jones. You got to have somebody that really stands out if you're going to win. So why don't we talk about Obama's quote unquote key legacy, landmark legacy item, Obamacare? You mean the Affordable Care Act? Yeah, which I accidentally uh, got renewed into my insurance. I accidentally, I guess I, all I had to do was just pay and it just renewed me. And I just thought it was one of my regular bills. And I noticed it was more expensive. Yeah, it's gone up because the competition has dropped out. You know, here's what's, here's what's interesting about this. Uh, so mine is like $248 a month. Now, is that, and is that for solo? Is that for you and kids, you and Ange uh, and think, the kids? Or how does it work? No, I, I, the kids are separate. Okay. Um, Ange has her own. Okay. And uh, this is just me. Okay, so that's that's your solo bill, and that's no and you know what's crazy, uh, deductions Chase? or anything. I don't think I've gone to the doctor in four years. I've got to be the most low risk. And the low reason cost. why you have to have insurance, and I've is been insured the entire time, is because there is a penalty if you yeah. don't. I, and so I was just intending to pay it because it works out to be about seven hundred dollars or something. It's, it works out to be well, it's a it's percentage of yeah, your overall income. Yeah, I did the math. It works out to be like almost almost a thousand dollars cheaper. Then it's almost yeah. So just the only difference is I would have to pay one big lump sum at the end of the year and I don't have health coverage. And you just – well, yeah. yeah. So I, I, but now now I don't know what to do because now I've got it again. But I honestly can't afford $248 no. a month. No. Especially the thing is is I just don't go to the doctor well, unless there is an emergency. See, and, and this is Is there where, such a thing as like absolute emergency care? Because I'm too busy to well, go there to the is, doctor. Well, there, there, there are higher levels. But then again, it depends because this year they've they, it's changed again. I – I think part of the problem with this Affordable Care Act is th- there's some good things about it, and there's some things that suck about it. I mean, I always have a, a What's Twitter. What's good about it? Well, it it gives people an option to have health coverage. No, it doesn't. It forces them. They've always had an option. There's no. A, they, well, they there's a have, lot of state well, programs, especially here right. in Washington State. But what I'm saying is that there was no like place where someone can go and compare numbers and, and just get covered yeah. because of pre-existing conditions. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, here's – I think for people that are new to the show, you should listen to the whole back catalog because we've been doing the show since oh. – 
since we were like, is Obamacare going to be a good thing? Chris, what's your opinion on Obamacare? You asked me directly a couple of times yeah. during the show, and I simply said, I'm going to take a wait and see. I would like health insurance to be better. This seems to be the best we're going to get right now. I'm I, I bef- During the whole Obamacare debate, I stayed neutral. I said, I'm going to wait and see. I'll, I'll form my opinion after it's law. See, I, I think it's broken. It's, but, it's awful. But I don't think throwing it out is the right answer without having something in place to to, to slide in yeah, and like replace it. Right. It's one of those things where when I hear about the Republicans wanting to kick it out, and there's over 30 million Americans that are covered that were not covered before, okay? And if you yeah, get, that's such a bullshit statistic. But it's not bullshit. It's it, but, but of course they're, they're they by law they have to have it now. No, no, they don't have to get coverage. They could just pay the penalty. Well, exactly. So so these are people that actually. That's have, why it's not higher. <laughs> really, it's true. But see, I think that the problem is you got to open up competition. I think they restricted it to the states, right? So a, a company that practices in one state can't do it in another state because of standards some one state may have over another. I, I think you have a national standard, and then you bring everybody up to that national standard, and then you let c- competition happen across state lines. I think that's a big thing that can happen. I, I just think the destructive path that the Repu- uh, the republicans want to do is just you know wipe it and yeah. reset it okay fine but give us a plan listen to this stuff we know that things are only getting worse under obamacare this is about people paying higher premiums every year and these are facts absolutely stop it yes it's about families paying deductibles that are so high it doesn't even feel like you have health insurance in the first place yeah and in so many parts of the country as you've also always heard even if you want to look for better coverage you're stuck with one option one choice is not a choice it is a monopoly the healthcare system has been ruined, dismantled under Obamacare. The answer here is not to ignore the problem. The answer here is not to ignore the problem to, to keep some failed legacy. The answer here is bold action. Failed legacy. Solve problems. Bring relief to Americans. We will help Americans crying out for relief from Obamacare. And we will keep our promise to the people. It will literally begin on day one. Oh! For... Uh before the end of the day, we do anticipate that uh, uh, the president-elect uh, will be in the Oval Office uh, uh, taking action uh, to both repeal executive orders and also set into motion through executive action policies to implement uh, promises that were made on the campaign trail. So repealing executive actions and implementing executive actions so, on day one. <laughs> I Honestly, I, I agree with most of what uh, Speaker Ryan said. Uh, it's true. It's very true that premiums have gone up. You're, you're an example of that, that there's no competition. In some states, I think I was talking to a gentleman on, on Twitter, he has one option in a state. It was state of Florida, one option. I mean, my car insurance is more reasonable than this. Well, like, yeah, because you have like 10 or 12 different companies that you can choose from, and they fight for your dollar. And I, I, but like, I, haven't, I haven't gone to the doctor in years. You think my premium would be going down. Right. And, and I mean, I'm in my I'm and in my the reason why the premium going and here it's a double edged sword. The reason why your premiums are going up is because there are people that have pre existing conditions and are now covered to get care. Right. I don't want to take that away. You gotta you gotta open it up. Maybe have a single pair option. You gotta open up options. But to just wholesale take it away and then kick it down the road a couple of years until you have a plan in place or whatever is not the right way of doing it. I say you have a plan. You say, all right, we're going to kick this out. Here's our new plan. Not yeah, having a plan I, is I, stupid. I, I, I follow you except for the fact that I'm paying $248 no, every single month. I agree. But then again, it's all right, fine. They're going to take that away, and then you'll have nothing and no options. I, I'm already considering going with nothing. Right. 
But I'm saying there's other people that will be in the exact same boat. There's a lot of people I know. in my boat. A lot yeah. of people. I, 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 it's a really shitty situation. It's terrible. And we wouldn't be here if they hadn't done this to begin with. Right. Well, we don't know where we would be, to be honest, because, I mean, if we were at the same place where we started, uh, you wouldn't be uh, – if someone had a pre-existing condition, they wouldn't be able to get anything. Yeah. Um, or if you hadn't had insurance for a while. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I, mean, I, well, I, I hope maybe, maybe we'll just – again, we'll watch and see where it goes, but yeah. it sucks so far. Yeah. It really has. All right. So there's something else that you and I have kind of talked a little bit about. I don't know if we've talked about it on the show a lot, but it's probably something we've all noticed. It's, it's, it, and it's upsetting some people. President-elect Donald Trump's inauguration is still about three weeks away, but his Twitter account has already ruffled feathers at the White House. The latest flashpoint came yesterday when he condemned a U.N. vote critical of Israeli settlements. Jan Crawford is in Washington to show us how Mr. Trump's behavior is a behavior. sharp departure from most other president-elects. Jan, good morning. Well, good morning. So the U.S. has only one president at a time responsible for setting foreign policy. And so to avoid confusion during the transition, incoming presidents usually avoid those topics. Are they pretending like lame duck presidents aren't a thing? Is that what's happening right now? (laughs) But not Donald Trump. Twitter has given him a 24-hour megaphone. Really good, great people. From his Florida estate, Donald Trump's 140-character proclamations reverberate in capitals around the world. You know, if you didn't cover it as much and just treated it as a crappy online social media platform that's kind of a joke (laughs) that barely stays online, that doesn't make any money, and that people just go on to shit about sandwiches they're eating. But Chris, if it wasn't Twitter, he'd be using Facebook Uh, or Orkut or a blog. Can we just all stop taking it just a little? I mean, people just tweet random. Let's just just dial it down a bit. understand who he is i understand his position actually and to be honest i think people should uh, act upon what he does not necessarily what he says yeah a flurry of tweets have promised changes to middle east policy when he takes office in january prompting this response from secretary of state john Kerry. yeah they're uh, pinning this israel situation on him a little bit by trump by tweeting too much uh, but i won't get into the whole because i just i just thought it's, they are bringing it up the media is I mean, talking about it to be fair i like having uh, anybody, and it's not just uh, the president-elect. I like having anybody on record. Yeah, me too. And they're putting out their information, what they're thinking in their head. I find that valuable, and it's on record. Now, if they as long delete, as it's not classified, right? Well, here, NBC says there is a danger. Even as Vladimir Putin was ruling out an arms race in a marathon four-hour news conference, Donald Trump was telling MSNBC's Mika Brzezinski, let there be an arms race in an off-camera call. The president-elect told you what? Let it be an arms race. We will outmatch them at every pass. And outlast them all. And outlast them all. Trump today escalating his stunning reversal of decades of U.S. nuclear policy, first announced on Twitter Thursday that instead of cutting weapons, the U.S. should strengthen and expand nuclear capabilities. So they're calling this a policy announced on Twitter. Did you hear that? I lost them all. Trump today escalating his stunning reversal of decades of U.S. nuclear policy, first announced on Twitter He's Thursday not making, that instead see, of cutting... This is what bothers me is he's not the president. He's not reversing policy. He's not doing anything. He's just talking. Weapons, the U.S. should strengthen and expand nuclear capabilities. Now, I would grant that if I saw a U.S. president tweeting that, I guess maybe I'd be like, well, if I'm I'm another nuke power, I might go, we should also 
You're not gonna. You're not gonna go off this. You're gonna go off your intelligence reports and the monitoring you're doing. Right. You're not gonna go off to eat. I, I mean, I think you're not it's, gonna go spend billions of dollars because this guy I mean, tweeted. It's not gonna l- happen. Let, let me be clear, Chris. You know, I I I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> trying to be so straight face about that. The the tweets thing. You know, he's he's playing into the media's hand. He'll he'll put out a tweet, wait for a couple days, put out another tweet, wait a couple days. You know, he's 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 keeping things charged up and and ready to go. You know, he's, for, fired, up, he's fired up and ready to go. It, it, it's one of those things where people need to stop hanging on every tweet that he does and everything that he's just kind of blues, you know, just and brainstorming. I've always my 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 general take, and I think is where you're going with Trump has been. I'm going to take a wait and see, and just like I did with Obamacare. And when it's shit, I'm going to say this is shit. And when it's good, I'm going to say okay, that's not like honestly. I think de-escalating with Russia. Probably the best thing he's I mean, doing already. While while tweets, uh, the, the tweets that he's doing are very amusing to me, and you know, and at work, <laughs> at work, it's like, oh god, can you believe what he said? At the same time, nothing has happened. The only thing that has happened is uh, 140 characters or less. That's what's happened. There's been no policy change. Uh, I mean, obviously now Congress is doing some things. And actually, look at uh, – I don't know if you have a story about the whole ethics board situation. But, oh, I didn't grab that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the 115th Congress, they were trying to set yep. change rules uh, for the House and uh, and their ethics committee. And the first – you know, that was like – that was their first thing that they did and the first thing that they were trying to do in secret. Okay? They weren't even doing it in public. And Trump comes out and is like, what the hell are – I'm paraphrasing. What the hell are you doing uh, there are more high priority things to be working on, you know, our economy, jobs, Russia, blah blah blah. And you're doing this? What are you doing? So, eh, you know, I it, still think it's probably it's all going to pretty much stop. It, yeah, I, I think I once think he takes after, office, yeah, yeah he'll. You? Well, I think there's going to be rules. I mean, just like Obama and his BlackBerry, there are certain things that he needs to be very careful about because once I think once he's in office, those those things are like public record. You know, ACE, whatever, American uh, Freedom of Information Act stuff, you can't just go and delete a tweet and things like that. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if he continues his weird Twitter tirades. Well, Mr. Chase. Yes, Chris. Before we get into a packed, packed overtime, let's wrap up the proper show with a high note. Started on a high note in Los Angeles. <laughs> Wait, yeah, yeah. All right. You All think right, that was an accident on. or do you think maybe Chris planned it that way? <laughs> no, I think he's listening to our show. I know. I think. <laughs> right? So if uh, you are, just tweet at us. Just let yeah, us know. At Chris Elias, at Nunes. Yeah, just let us know. At Jupiter Signal. Started on a high note in Los Angeles after someone changed the famous Hollywood sign to read Hollyweed. Police say surveillance video shows a lone male suspect dressed all in black. The person could face misdemeanor charges if caught, but it's not the first time the legendary letters have been altered. Maria Villarreal has the history of those high-altitude pranks. Now, I'm just going to leave it at that. I just thought that was pretty funny. You can watch the history of those high-altitude pranks if you'd like. It's kind of funny, though. Uh, then we have a, uh, a possible concern about a sickness from a pot store. Dun, dun, dun. With recreational pot legal in Nevada, cookies, gummies. Let me, let me grab a couple of the gummies. And other marijuana <laughs> products are soon to be sold to new customers at retail stores. If they're new to cannabis, they need to start off small and work their way up. Rob Bruckus of Inyo says a cannabis user's experience comes down to education. That's a huge bag, by the way. Yeah, well, that, was, uh, not a, that was not a for sale bag, I'm guessing. Yeah, that was no. a delivery bag. Right. I've been saying this about edibles since before it got legalized. Uh, 
anywhere recreationally, I've been saying edibles are going to be the trickiest thing for newbies and consumers to figure out how to use. Oh, yeah. Something like this, it starts off with seven milligrams per dose. So this is good for a beginner. As a bud tender, Ruckus explains to medical marijuana patients, labels and dosage, mandatory on products in Nevada. Soon he hopes to show recreational users best practices, too. See how you feel after an hour and a half. Even give it up to two hours because with edibles, they have to go through the whole GI tract and the liver before they're going to your blood system. And that is a, that's another super important point that I think a lot of newbies to edibles didn't know is they might they oh, this didn't do anything and then they'll eat a whole bunch more. So it's nice <laughs> that he's explaining that to well, people. We, we've, we've heard horror stories. Yeah. We've seen them. Former yep. ER doctor Dahlia Wax says improper dosages can lead to unwanted side effects. She says other states are helping Nevada prepare for what's to come. Three years ago, recreational pot became legal in Colorado. Now some users are getting diagnosed. Washington getting the snub again. I know. Man. We did it first. I know. You know, I told you this was going to happen. Didn't I read book yeah, this? Yes, Didn't you did. I? Yes, you did. Every news report, every single news report. And I, I know nobody else cares but us. You know why? It's because they have the mile high city, Chris. Well, it's because they, they actually executed it before we yeah, did. Yeah, they, they had a plan and they did it. And I said that Washington would suffer brand-wise that at brand-wise. And this is big money. Money, this yeah. is, I know, this is every time. Now, let every, me ask you this. Hmm. Uh, I know there's about half the left in the clip here. So far, you've been here. Has it been like a fearful, like, oh, you know, be careful? Not so far. I okay. think it's, it's I mean, more educational. I think it's been, uh, I, I think it's been sort of on the level, okay. at least. All right. In Colorado, now some users are getting diagnosed with cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome. What? A cyclic pattern of nausea, vomiting, and abdominal pain. Back in 2012, they were studying it and doing case studies. So many of us that have been watching it already knew about it. She sounds like she's a smoker herself. <laughs> <laughs> I like how because it's from 2012, that makes it more legitimate. What is it again? I'm going to go back. What was it? That was in Colorado. Now some users are getting diagnosed with cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome. Cannabinoid hypermesis, hypermesis. syndrome. I've never heard of this. Yeah, I wonder what that would be. A cyclic pattern of nausea, vomiting, and abdominal pain. Oh, you know what it is? It's a complicated way of saying you had too many edibles. Oh, is that what it is? Maybe, because I don't know. I mean, what else would it be? Because they talked about edibles, and now they're talking about this? That does make sense. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, if you eat too much, maybe, or especially like some of that candy stuff, probably get sick. Back in 2012, they were studying it and doing case studies. So many of us that have been watching it already knew about it. Wax says they're a way to eliminate overdose effects by taking a hot shower or bath and taking a break from use. So it is literally just smoking too much pot or eating it? So it's the guy, the cop, I think I'm having an overdose yeah, and guy. so is my wife. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Okay. Take a shower. That's the, <laughs> Is that the 2012 thing she's talking about? Oh, I got it. This yeah. is this is we're getting diagnosed with cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome. And literally the fix is stop using pot and take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is so ridiculous. Of nausea, vomiting, Wait, yeah. and abdominal pain. Okay. Yeah, well, of course, if you're vomiting, you're going to have abdominal pain. All right. Yeah. And? Back in 2012, they were studying it and doing case studies. So many of us that have been watching it already knew about it. Wax says they're a way to eliminate overdose effects by taking a hot shower or bath and taking a break from use. <laughs> and they have like a they have like a heart monitor B-roll shot there. <laughs> 
<laughs> the doctor also says try taking a nap. What we think is happening with this CHS is whatever marijuana you're consuming may be too much for your receptors. As for this bud tender, he hopes to continue to educate. God, could you imagine like that? You, there's such a thing as too much pot? Some of these people have a problem where they can I'm smoke. sorry, you've had too much pot. You have CHS. No matter the level of experience. When you're in that situation, the best thing to do, put on some nice, soft, Mellow, quiet there's your music, expert. <laughs> relax, turn the lights down. Get uh, that's so good. That is that is that's so, so good. That's, uh, that is a solid one. <laughs> and then, last but not least, uh, now some of you may be in the position that this woman found herself, and you would do exactly what she did. Some of you, however, had got to be thinking to yourselves. Damn, I wish I was that woman right now. More than one at a time here. I was able to smell it and knew something was up right away. It was just last Thursday. Pamela Marks was waiting for a package. We opened it up and um, I thought it was going to be toys. She writes reviews for a variety of products on her website. We're a family-friendly site. (laughs) That's the first thing we always tell everybody because we don't want anything a little bit too funky. Marks has received thousands of shipments through the years. Usually it's items like this, clothes or toys, but not this time thought it was wrapped in this green foam. It was marijuana, and not just a little, seven pounds worth. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Now, I'm guessing that she didn't smoke it all or sell it based on the fact that there's well, a obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah she called. <laughs> Let me call the news. The shipment was coming from a California-based company called Jax. Can they do that? No. No, they can't. And they said after Christmas I'd get a package. Well, I'd get a package, but it wasn't toys. After her initial shock, Marks called the sheriff's department and handed the drugs over. It's just, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're either, like, totally on board with what she did, or you're thinking right now, woman, you are looking at a gift horse. Like, I just... You know what I mean? Like right. there's there's two different there's two different realities uh, uh, for this particular story, and one of them you're shaking your head, and the other you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I would do. Called Jax. And they said after Christmas I'd get a package. Well, I did get a package, but it wasn't toys. After her initial <laughs> shock, Marks Could called the sheriff's department and handed the drugs over. The mother of two children hopes it teaches her kids a valuable lesson. What's now, the what lesson? Wait, what's the lesson here? And, yeah, and what are the cops going to do with it? They're like, dude, we're having a party today. Woo! As a parent, if you get get a product or anything delivered to you and it's not right, call the authorities and have them come check it out because you just never know. That is That's good for anything, I agree. No, no, but no. Actually, I don't think if you get a weird package, you should call the cops. I think they got better stuff to do. Well, it depends People on what... People are getting bombs in Chris, the mail chase. It depends what the package is, okay? If you get, like, say, actually, a briefcase of, I'm, like, $10,000... I'm pretty solid on, on just about any time. You don't need to, like, call the police. You can maybe go to the police station. I guess that you might mean be... She doesn't know any pot friends like here it's just weird it's just but you know what though all right let's let's play uh, the other angle here let's say for example you're 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 sending you know your eight pounds uh sure you know, and you're involved in the mob or something like that and you yeah it never got there and it got to her instead now was it mislabeled or just misdelivered that's what i want well know. she was expecting something from them what did she expect from a pot place that's the weird thing with the story to begin with Maybe she ordered seven ounces of weed and she got seven <laughs> pounds and she's like, I, I shouldn't have this much. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, you guys engage in our community, please, over at our Reddit page at unfilter.reddit.com. You guys kept it down and you guys gave us some great content for mm, this show this yeah. week and actually past couple weeks. Great discussion happening over yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, and some we got some clips ended up in there. Thank you, everybody, to that unfilter.reddit.com. Did you know the show is live, Chase? What? Yeah. 
on Wednesdays. You can find out when at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Very nice. Yeah, tune in to jblive.tv. Tweet the network at Jupiter Signal. I'm at Chris LAS and Mr. Nunes. You can follow me on the Twitter at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. And if you're looking to watch some awesome game action, Ooh. head over to twitch.tv slash Geek Gamer TV. I've recently re uh, reset up my whole streaming setup. I now can stream at uh, 720p at 60 frames per second. Oh, oh my so it's goodness. it's smooth and silk, and it looks great. It's a lot of fun. That sounds like butter, Mister Chase. Butter. That sounds like butter. And by the way, the Steam sale killed me over the holidays. <laughs> I bought a Steam controller. I bought like so many games. It's it's crazy. You fun. know, Mister Nudis, I'm going to give a special plug. Uh, check out YouTube.com/slash Chris Fisher because I vlogged behind the scenes of this week's episode what? of Unfiltered. So wait, are you saying that I'll see Chase the face in my face yeah. on your face? On YouTube. On YouTube. YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher. A bunch of other nice. vlogs there, including, man, last night, got home, power was out, community was going crazy. What? Power's out? Water frozen. Oh, gosh. It, so that's that's yesterday's vlog. Oh, man. Check it out. YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week's episode. And remember, kids... Just blame Russia. Just it works for Barry. And tweet it out. It can work for you. Tweet it out. You did something wrong? Something got broken? Blame Russia. That's right. <laughs> That's the lesson. Okay, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Unfiltered Program. Oh, yeah. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash contact for regular good old emails. And the overtime's coming up. See you next week. Yeah! Hello, everybody. Hide your wife. The reports of Unfilter's ending are greatly exaggerated. It's time for Overtime! Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter. This segment is dedicated to all of you. Thanks for supporting the show. Start the New Year's off with a great, great list. Thank you, everybody who signed up on our Patreon page to keep this show going. I'm going to start off with Chase. Not not our Mr. Chase, but now our Mr. Chase. A Chase out in the audience. Dennis, Chance, Gene, Brent, Hens, Zachary, Sean, Josh, Sam, Chris. Not this Chris. A different Chris. Another Josh. Jess is in there. Marcus, Kamari. I'm going to say... Gessel, Nathan, Serena, Eric, Fap Fap. Nope. Sorry, Fap Fap. It's Fap Flop. How could I get that wrong? Jeez. Charles, Lewis, Kafaka, Brendan, Daniel, Crazy Old Dude, Jeremy, another Jeremy, two Jeremys, President Obama, huh, Tim, and Kyara? That is our new list this week. Thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter. 
Thank you for joining me in the overtime segment. We got some stuff to jump right into. Let's pick right back up on that Russia cyber topic. Security correspondent David Sanger has written extensively about Russia's efforts to influence the 2016 election. In his new article today, Sanger called the U.S. government actions against Russia, quote, the strongest American response yet to a state-sponsored cyber attack. And David Sanger, good enough to join us this morning. Good enough. From Washington. David, good morning to you. Great to be with you, Josh. What do these actions, I know, again, uh, they were called, you called them the strongest American response yet to a cyber attack, but what do they really mean for Russia? Well, they are the strongest to a cyber attack, but we don't have a whole lot of history there. And the, the strongest until now had been some fairly modest sanctions against North Korea for its attack on Sony two years ago. I think the big question here is, are these strong enough to create a deterrent not only to the Russians, not only for the next American election, but for the elections that are coming up in Germany and in France, and to other countries that might take a look at the techniques that the Russians used here, this combination of new cyber techniques and sort of old-style information warfare, and figure out a way to go make it use make use of it themselves. And you know, I'm not persuaded uh, uh, that what the administration is is working its way toward here yet is effective cyber deterrence and it's certainly quite late as many of president obama's own aides concede david uh, you're talking about those sanctions that have been made public the obama administration has said that they will take some covert actions would those be effective and is that what people want to see given <laughs> that that might not deter russia either if it what kind of question is that How can he possibly answer this question? So the question is, will he take covert action? What kind of actions will those be? And is that what people want? He won't know if they ever take covert actions. There's no way to know what those actions would be. And the people will never know they were taken. It's such a dumb question. Want to see, given that that might not deter Russia either if it's not public. A very good uh, point, because... No, it is not! It is not a good point! Covert actions, would those be effective, and is that what people want to see, given that that might not deter Russia either if it's not public? So what he's really saying is, is this what the elites want to see? Is this what the people in the upper echelons of the government that are banging the drums, is this enough? Is this what they wanted to see? That's what he's really asking here. A very good uh, point, because, you know, the whole key to deterrence here is that the price you pay is pretty obvious. Otherwise, you're not deterring other actors who would go on. There are a number of things in the cyber realm that the United States could do to Russia. It could expose many of the financial dealings of the oligarchs. It could expose Putin's own fortune and how the oligarchs helped him get that. It could. We do that all the time. The media is constantly messaging that. Knock holes in the censorship system that uh, the Russians have developed around uh, the Internet. Uh, It could do any of those things. My guess is the U.S. action will be pretty cautious because throughout this, from the first the White House got a whiff of this in the the cyber uh, realm summer, uh, in last summer, was that they've been concerned about escalation. Uh, cyber escalation from the Russians. You don't want to get on an escalation ladder you can't get off. Man, cyber escalation, guys. Maybe they build special fast CPUs. Russian-only chips that can go faster than our chips. Now, Morning Joe's since the general election has just been all over the map. And now they're even just wearing pajamas. 
Seriously, they're wearing pajamas in this clip. And they say it's not enough. How did we get here? We were we've heard about the Russia reset, but you can see in Putin's body language with Barack Obama early on when the two met, he was slumping. There seemed to be contempt between the two men. What happened? So now apparently Joe Scarborough uh, is a body language expert. Is, is this all it takes? I mean, I could I could do that job. I could do that job. I could wear pajamas, sit in front of a fake fireplace and analyze body language. I could I could really do good at that job. Hey Joe, what you got going on? You got any openings? How did we get here? We were we've heard about the Russia reset, but you can see in Putin's body language with Barack Obama early on when the two met, he was slumping. There seemed to be contempt between the two men. Kind of like how Mika seems to have contempt for you, Joe. What happened? How? I mean, it, it, it was never great when you know when George W. Bush left. Putin had just invaded uh, Georgia, so nobody's sitting here pretending that it was you know there were halcyon days in that relationship. When George W. Bush left, they were good friends. They looked each other in the eye, and he came out to the ranch. But how has it gotten so bad? And as you just said, dangerous. Yeah, well, uh, Joe, we'll have to write for, wait for John Meacham to write the history. But, you know, I've always thought that uh, Vladimir Putin was kind of born with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he's, he's a man who was deeply wounded by the fall of the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah, here he, we he go. He said so, a catastrophic event. He's been trying to build back Soviet pride and power since becoming uh, a president. And So when you become president of your country... If you use your strategic prowess to better position your country as a world power, is is that a bad thing? Isn't that exactly what you're supposed to be doing? Now, you could reframe it as trying to relive the Soviet era. I mean, you could also claim that the U.S. is trying to do that right now. He found Obama somebody who uh, was seemed to be acceding to that uh, Russian effort and not pushing back in the way that American presidents sometimes do. And I think Putin began to take advantage of that and see uh, Obama as pliable. There was a fear. A week ago, if you'd asked people who follow foreign policy, what's your, what's your concern about Donald Trump? They would have said, we worry that he's too accommodating to Russia, that he's too close to Russia. Yeah. That, you know, God, we, were, we, really, we really are afraid he might avoid World War III. Ugh. How are we going to kill all of the people? Russia hacked in support of his campaign during the, during the election, and he's talking about to get a new friendship alliance with, with Vladimir Putin. So the events of the last 24 hours are really interesting as a, a sign of, of Trump's ability to kind of make a course correction in what people were sharply criticizing. Uh, and we'll have to see somewhere. This guy is a idiot. All of these people are idiots. But, you know, I guess maybe it's me. Maybe maybe I'm the idiot. So instead of listening to me, why don't we listen to a former CIA director? I think it is more fair to you, uh, Mr. Woolsey, because we've discussed this before on New Day, to say that you've never expressed any doubt about whether or not Russia was involved. You say that it's just a more complex uh, picture. Who was involved? Who else was involved? What trickery is involved? Why they did it? That all of those are separate considerations. But I don't remember you, to my recollection, ever questioning the intelligence reports that Russia was. See, he says somehow involved, but the clip uh, clip glitches. Uh, uh, I think this is an interesting pivot here. You did you catch it? Did you guys did you catch what they're doing? 
I think this could be a backup strategy that they're beginning to lay the groundwork for. So the intelligence community meets with Trump on Friday and he may decide to speak more publicly than Obama has about this entire thing. So perhaps, perhaps they're couching. You see, the key words that he used here was, and they're going to actually, I'll let it continue because they're just going to double down on it. Here, your comment. Well, the intelligence reports uh, usually say something more than somehow involved. But I want to go back to your initial uh, uh, use of the word behind, uh, who uh, is behind, uh, uh, behind this. Uh, that vague terminology is just too specific. Um, this is not an organized operation that is uh, hack- hacking into uh, a, a target. Um, it's um, it's not like taking a number at a bakery and standing in line to politely get your dozen cookies you want to buy. It's f- more like a bunch of jackals uh, at uh, the carcass of an antelope. Um, is it Russian? Probably some. Is it? Probably some. Former CIA, there's no such thing. So this guy is at least at some level still rep- responsible for what he says. So this is true. He's choosing his words here, and that's interesting. He's obviously, actually, he's been building a foundation to use these very words. He just spent the last 30 seconds of our life going on and on, building the case for these next words that are about to come out of his mouth. And I think this framing is the backup plan. Um, Is it Russian? Probably some. Is it some Chinese and Iranian? Maybe. Who knows? Somebody may be getting more and more information about it. We may find out more from Mr. Trump uh, coming oh. up to today. We may find out more uh, from uh, the uh, people in the intelligence uh, community. But it shouldn't be portrayed as as one guilty party. Um, it's much more complicated than that. So it's complicated. So Russia is involved, but it's it's complicated. You see, it's 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 it's. So let's let's give ourselves some room for nuance, people. Josh, on the measures taken against Russia, uh, why was Vladimir Putin not mentioned as one of those sanctions? Is that an indication that he didn't have evidence that the Russian leader? Uh... Now this is also very interesting. So the question is, why didn't you also put sanctions against Putin? Since you at, at the Obama's press conference, he very directly inferred this. The White House has been inferring this. The leakers in the CIA have, to the Washington Post and NBC have been inferring this. Directed at the very top levels of the government. Putin involved. You guys have seen the clips if you've been watching this show. It's Putin, 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 Putin. And then they don't sanction Putin? Why don't they? What happened there? Now, I realize that would be a massive precedent, but it wouldn't be unprecedented to, to specifically name another leader. And so, of course, they're going to say that, oh, we didn't want to name them. That's bullshit. They've, they do that. So the, the real what you, the, the question that comes to my mind, the real question that comes to my mind is perhaps this is also part of the couching plan. This is part of the we need a back out narrative. Not necessarily, John. The, the, the intelligence community has indicated their view that uh, th- given the significance of the actions that Russia carry out against the United States, um, their conclusion is that this is something that had to have been directed at the highest levels of the, of the Russian government. So why not hit the president? He's uh, the guy responsible. Well, as you know, that typically with regard to sanctions policy, uh, that there are – uh, only certain circumstances in which the uh, leader of the country is personally named. Uh, I can't get into all the 
Uh, uh, there's no denying that this is a, a significant action. Uh, so no denying. What I would say is just that it would. Except for MSNBC just denied that this was a significant action. But that's just. But they're in pajamas. Be rather extraordinary if uh, Mr. Putin himself were among the people who were listed. It would be extraordinary. It'd be extraordinary because then we'd really be our, we'd really be in a box. It would just it would just really really put us in a box. That's and that's just extraordinary. Let's talk about fake news a little bit, just because that's kind of related to Russia. Social media giant Facebook has announced that its fight against fake news has begun in cooperation with third party fact checking organizations. Oh, However, as Miguel Francis what? Santiago explains, there are genuine concerns about those very groups. No. The epidemic of malicious fake news and false propaganda that flooded social media. Facebook fights back against an avalanche of fake news. Spread oh, fake news. Fake news. Fake news to be flagged by the so-called fact checkers. Now, you're probably thinking that they must be the quintessence of unbiased and professional journalism. Yeah, I'm thinking that. Well, judge for yourself. Facebook released a statement on December 15th giving us the names of these third-party organizations that they openly said will be employed as these fact-checkers. They reside under the IFCN, or Pointers International Fact-Checking Network. Here's an interesting thing about Pointer, the supposed esteemed leader of journalism in the world. Funded by such notorious donors like the George Soros' Open Society Foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, National Endowment for Democracy, which has financial links to the State Department, as you may know, eBay's Amidiar Network, and Mr. Craig Newmark, the founder of Craigslist, who donated a whopping $1 million to Pointer to create this anti-fake news mechanism, becoming its biggest donor since Pointer's inception, by the way. All seems fine and dandy. Until we fact check that Craig Newmark is a Clinton campaign donor. Likewise, George Soros and Bill Gates have been big time supporters and donors of the Clinton Foundation and Hillary's election campaign. The fact of the matter is, another pointer donor, eBay founder Pierre Amidiar, gave millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation. It gave me the goosebumps just to hear those names, because they have actually a very strong uh, political agenda. It seems like there are a lot of people who think that it's dangerous uh, not to be able to control the media. So it means that, that to, to sort out what is fake news and what is the true news is a sort of... Um, what should I say? A way to control the narrative. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not big on uh, on this whole uh, fake news fact checking. I feel like it uh, disrespects people's intelligence. And of course, there's always going to be idiots out there. But I've actually been impressed by the overall intelligence of the community when when they're given the right information. And even if they have to sort through it themselves and suss out, and that can be a process. But shows like ours can be an important part of that process. And there is more information available now. And it just takes a little intellect and curiosity. It doesn't take fact checkers telling us what's real or not, or setting the official narrative. shift gears let's talk about sort of syria and let's back into it 
Let's back into it from those very sanctions we were just talking about. Because there's a conspiracy afoot. Maybe the sanctions are about something else and not about hacks and the election, but more like punishment for embarrassing us in Syria. And the sanctions came after Russia managed to broker a peace deal in Syria with the help of Turkey. The much-anticipated nationwide ceasefire came into effect on Thursday at midnight, Damascus time. So they go through a bunch of stock footage, but I thought that was here. I'll play that first part. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting time-wise. And the sanctions came after Russia managed to broker a peace deal in Syria with the help of Turkey. The much-anticipated nationwide ceasefire came into effect on Thursday at midnight. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe there's a connection to the fact that they're in there bombing our guys that we've been paying and arming and training. Maybe there's some punishment in there for working with Iran and Assad. I don't know. I mean, because let's be honest. We all know. We all know there's no such thing as moderate rebels. And so when when they were blowing up rebels, they're all they're all a bunch of crazy maniacs. What? 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 No, no. I, I people still I'm, I'm being told that people still believe there's such a thing as moderate rebels. You no, really? You got OK. Okay, flash update uh, from the back channel from producer Matt. People still think there's such a thing as... Mo- well, this will fix that. Well, one week ago, I told you that national media is not giving you the full story about what is happening in Syria. Specifically, that the Free Syrian Army and the so-called Syrian rebels who have now lost control of eastern Aleppo are not freedom fighters. They are, in fact, aligned with terror organizations. And while tens of thousands of you have voiced your support, some other media are asking me, where's the proof? Tonight, the proof in a reality check you won't see anywhere else. All right, briefing! Well, as I told you, national media has framed the fight in Syria and for Aleppo as anti-Assad rebels against Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. What they do not say is that throughout Syria, there are really only two groups fighting against Assad, ISIS and al-Qaeda. In fairness, that is a crude assessment. In reality, there are dozens of small militias and factions fighting Assad. The Free Syrian Army, it's always been made up of many different smaller groups, but for the sake of explaining how jihadists are actually the ones fighting Assad, we're going to refer to the Free Syrian Army here as if it is one group. The Free Syrian Army was formed in July of 2011, but within just one year, there were already widespread reports that al-Qaeda in Syria had infiltrated. In 2012, I became the first reporter to question President Obama directly about the U.S. arming a group that had members of al-Qaeda. There's some concern about the U.S. funding uh, the Syrian opposition when there are a lot of reports that al-Qaeda is kind of heading up that opposition. Uh, How do you justify the two? Well, I I share that concern. Uh, And so uh, what we've done is to say we will provide non-lethal assistance to Syrian opposition leadership that are committed to a political transition, committed to... Man, uh, I remember this clip and I remember this statement. Listen to these words. ...is to say... We will provide non-lethal assistance to Syrian opposition leadership that are committed to a political transition, committed to uh, a, uh, an observance of human rights. Well, while there were non-jihadist rebels in the original Free Syrian Army, they did not last long. 
One year later, in 2013, the CIA began delivering weapons to those Syrian rebels. The shipments began streaming into the country over the past two weeks, along with separate deliveries by the State Department of vehicles and other gear. A flow of material that marks a major escalation of the U.S. role in Syria's civil war. That was the Washington Post in 2013. But things only got worse because while the weapons were flowing in, well, so were jihadists. And by September of 2013, London-based global defense consultancy group IHS Janes reported that 10,000 of the estimated 100,000 insurgent fighters were linked to al-Qaeda. Another 30 to 35,000 belonged to powerful factions that were fighting for an Islamic state within a larger Middle East caliphate stretching from the Atlantic to the Indian Ocean. That's a hot now, mess. In addition to that, that report showed at least a further 30,000 moderates belonging to groups that have an Islamic character. That oh. means that by late 2013, only 25 to 30,000 so-called rebel fighters were part of secular nationalist groups. Again, that's 25 to 30 percent of the... By 2013, imagine, imagine how bad it's gotten since then. Rebel force that could be considered friendly to the West. 70 to 75 percent of forces against Assad in 2013 were jihadists. But that didn't stop the U.S. from sending funding and sending weapons. And with some members of Congress, like Senator Rand Paul, insisting that these rebels were jihadists, by 2015, the U.S. committed $500 million to find and train moderate rebels. Instead, by September, a major blow, 3,000 of the few remaining FSA fighters, they defected from the organization. They proclaimed their allegiance to ISIS. Those fighters belonged to multiple brigades that formed the conglomeration of the FSA. Also in 2015, the Pentagon publicly admitted that an additional 70 U.S.-trained Syrian rebels surrendered a weapons stockpile to al-Nusra. Fighters from Division 30, they surrendered to the al-Qaeda affiliate group after crossing into Syria over the Turkish border. And as for that $500 million... They crossed the border and surrendered. It was a delivery. That's That's a delivery. Moderate rebel training program... That was halted a week later when the Pentagon admitted it had only trained four or five fighters. Not 400 or 4,000, four or five. And it was in 2015 when the International Business Times reported that the moderate movement in Syria could be officially considered dead. As of last week, when the last U.S.-backed rebel faction disbanded its members, joining extremist groups such as the Nusra Front the al-Qaeda offshoot in the country. Some of the men joined a group called the Levant Front, a coalition of rebel militias that also have ties to al-Qaeda. And again, that was 2015. And yet, through 2016, weapons and funding from the West continued. In September of this year, 2016, the U.S. delivered 3,000 tons of weapons and ammo to fighters in Syria, including rocket launchers and anti-tank guided weapon systems. So what you need to know... It is a fact that since 2012, those so-called moderate rebels in Syria have been absorbed into al-Qaeda groups or pledged allegiance to ISIS. And for the past year, the moderates, they have been gone. So when media only calls these groups freedom fighters, Hmm. and yet these fighters have pledged themselves to al-Qaeda and to ISIS, then no, make no mistake, they are not looking to make Syria free. They are looking to enslave it as they have in so many other places. That's reality check. Let's talk about that. Don't say it, Ben. Uh, so that is a great clip. Ben did a super good job breaking down a lot of stuff we've covered over the last few years. So I was I was really kind of thinking that was totally worth playing, but it just thought it was a little too long to play in the main show. So if you stuck around to the overtime, that's one of the gems. We're just about done in the overtime. I think there's probably a – there's – well, let's, let's cover this clip. This is sort of the last thing I have in this category for overtime. 
our top story of the city of Istanbul on edge and high alert after a gunman opens fire on partygoers at a New Year's Eve celebration at a popular nightclub. At least 39 people are now dead, 70 others wounded. The terrorists still on the loose. Let's talk about this now with retired U.S. Navy Captain Chuck Nash, a Fox News military analyst. Captain Nash, always good to see you. Happy New Year. Um, Happy New Year, Greg. But a tragic one for the folks in that nightclub. Hundreds mm -hmm. of people jammed inside when suddenly this man opens fire. What's your reaction to what is surely a terrorist attack? Yeah, this is uh, absolutely nothing new. And the Turks, uh, this is probably the fifth or sixth uh, significant terrorist attack. There have been many more inside of Turkey. And it all has to be viewed within the context of what's going on in Syria. Boom. Uh, exactly. As you know, the uh, Russians and the Turks just negotiated a ceasefire. There's yep. been some sporadic fighting, but it seems to be holding in the main. So what that does is it freezes out certain groups. And one of the groups central to that negotiation was the Turks being able uh, to have the Russians talk the Syrians into allowing Turkish troops to move down south into Syria to block the Kurds from uniting east-west. Oh, this is... This is such a great clip because when I this, – this guy was able to put words to, to my immediate thoughts uh, after I heard about these killings. The quid pro quo on that was the Turks not getting all bleeped up and allowing the Assad regime and the Iranian militias to finish cleaning out eastern Aleppo. A.K.A. <laughs> they're not going to commit genocide it sounds like. With every I should attack, laugh but Jesus. Uh, and there were many ISIS terror attacks abroad last year. Mm -hmm. um, we're reminded of the fight against ISIS. Does it underscore that this oh, oh, hasn't been working? Oh, let's get out well, of here. it hasn't Abort. been. And, Abort. you know, Turkey no. is an ally Not. of the United States, as oh. you pointed out earlier. It's a, it's a Fox News agenda strong with this one. Oh, let's move on. Now, remember how I was saying if you stuck around for the overtime, you just got a great clip? How about how about a couple of more? Huh? You want to do a couple more? You want to do a couple more really great clips? Because I do. So, you probably heard about that old Julian Assange interview. We played a quick clip earlier in the show. Now, how about we play a lot more? Because Julian says some extremely fascinating things, and Hannity manages not to be an aspect through the entire thing. And welcome back to Hannity. So during my exclusive interview with Julian Assange, we discussed how WikiLeaks exposed the rampant collusion between the mainstream media here in America and the Clinton campaign. Let's take a look. I said in my country, Julian, that journalism is dead. I said it in 2008 because I was, in, I was investigating Barack Obama and his backgrounds and his associations and his career and his lack of knowledge and his radical belief system and everybody in the media ignored a lot of it so my question to you then is now knowing what WikiLeaks revealed about the Podesta emails on Clinton corruption on pay to play on Bernie Sanders being cheated all of this is revealed not a lot of it was covered so what does that say to the American people about media coverage in America. Dishonest? It's very dishonest. Uh, corrupt is interesting. It depends on your definition. Uh, if, you, if you look at what we published in the... Pedestrian minute, if, they, if they're colluding with Hillary, yeah. that's not corrupt? It's a ethical corruption. 
they're not identifying it to their audiences. They claim that they're objective journalists. It's, it's ethically corrupt. Corrupt by its, the, corruption also means something in law, which is that you're taking money in exchange. Okay. So, so I don't think that collusion. They're colluding, yeah. Okay, because they share her political agenda. Well, why else would I, they collude? Or they hate Donald Trump? I think that's an optimistic interpretation, that they share the political agenda. Well, explain that. Uh, it's more like, you rub my back, I'll rub yours. I'll give you, you know, I'll give you information. You'll be, you'll come to my, um, I'll, I'll invite you to my child's christening or our next big party or, do you know what I mean? It, or, we go to school or state together. dinner. Yeah. So I think it's more, sadly, I think it's long those ones. But I look at this list of, of what WikiLeaks exposed for... Can, can I just go back to this media question? Uh, what, is, what is the line now uh, in the New York Times, um, MSNBC? Okay. The line is that WikiLeaks changed the result of the election. Okay. And as editor of WikiLeaks, we're quite happy to have the credit uh, for uh, exposing uh, the corruption and behavior that was occurring in that Clinton team uh, and the DNC fixing things in relation to Bernie Sanders. We're quite happy to accept that. Was credit. that your motivation? Was your motivation to influence the election? Or do you, is your motivation, what is your motivation? Is it fidelity to truth? My motivation for maybe 20 years, but 10 years, 10 years with WikiLeaks has been to publish true information that is otherwise unsayable. So we're not in competition, if you like. You have no political agenda. That is a political agenda. We have no government corruption? It's not a party political agenda. It is a, it's a philosophical agenda. We believe uh, that the best type of government comes from uh, a government that is scrutinized by the people uh, when they have true information about how government and major corporations, other power actors in society actually let, behave. Let me ask this. As a conservative, one of the things that shocked me about the revelations with WikiLeaks in this election cycle, it drove me crazy for years. The narrative that would be used by the Democrats about conservatives like myself as Republicans are racist, that they're sexist, that they're homophobic, that they're misogynistic, Islamophobic, xenophobic, all those, all those lines are used. And what was fascinating, and not many people wanted to pay attention to it, and I think that's because of the media collusion, is they were exposed as using racial language, being anti-Semitic, homophobic, which led to, on the eve of the Democratic Convention, Debbie Wasserman Schultz being fired. That, to me, was the type of thing that you, be, it's, you sort of like open a window and things are not often the way they appear. Is this now a new reality going forward in terms of if the media is not going to do their job, there are going to be more WikiLeaks in the future? Well, I certainly hope so. <laughs> well, I certainly hope so. <laughs> okay, so then uh, Hannity... Uh, annoyingly asked him some questions about uh, the FBI and DHS report on Russian hacking. Oh! And welcome back to Hannity. So during my exclusive sit-down interview with Julian Assange at the Ecuadorian Embassy in London, I asked him specifically about the FBI and DHS report on 2016 and the election hacking. Let's take a look. 
the FBI Department of Homeland Security, this goes to the 29th of December this past year, released a joint report detailing how federal investigations and investigators linked the Russian government to the hacks of the Democratic Party organization. And they gave a 13-page memo. I'm sure you've read it. I have read it in detail. At this point. Okay. It's supposedly, they give technical details regarding tools and some of the infrastructure uh, of the Russian civilian and military intelligence, but they don't give any proof positive. That they give the five, wording, a five-page description of some of the tools that they allege uh, that the Russian state uh, uses. Uh, the rest is just fairly boring security recommendations. On the top, there is a disclaimer. So it's interesting, having read the report myself, listening to Julian, I can tell he genuinely scrutinized this report, not this exact part that he's talking about, but as he continues on. Saying nothing I was going to ask you about that. guarantee that any of this information is accurate. Right. Uh, it's a so, guess. So if you... It, it's just, you'll look in the... Com- I used to be a computer security expert. That was my, my job. Uh, uh, this is a bad report, and you look in the yes. in the rest of the computer security community, you'll see dozens of other uh, computer security experts in the United States. Absolutely not. Isn't it contradicted though by the by our own director of intelligence, national intelligence, James Clapper? That's James well, Clapper. There's, no, there's nothing in that report that says that any information was given to us. Nothing. Uh, what they have true too. Uh, is what they call uh, indicators. Uh, so like a, a way to recognize if these tools, uh, these alleged Russian tools, have been used on your system. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in response to that, um, uh, some engineer at one of the U.S. electricity companies uh, found this signature uh, on one of their laptops. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then this was analyzed uh, by a wide range of U.S. Uh, computer security experts. I've read those reports in detail. Uh, and it's discovered this is a commercially available tool uh, produced by Ukraine. So it's straight, straight out of the bat, we, we either have a deliberate attempt to mislead uh, or thoroughly incompetent work, straight out of the bat. So that story about um, uh, the laptop at the uh, uh, power uh, generation center, that was picked up by the Washington Post and the administration, pushed everywhere that here's the Russians infiltrating the electricity grid, and it was completely bogus. That was bogus. But there's another side of this which is, I think, pretty fascinating, and that is that Hillary Rodham Clinton had a private server at a mom-and-pop shop in a bathroom closet that I would argue, and, make, and other lawyers would make arguments, that it was illegal for her to have from what we understand, the Podesta emails were hacked through a phishing scheme where it said, click on this, give us your information, and he did so. Yep. So we made it. Well, there's a number of hacks of the DNC uh, and Podesta based on the publicly available information. This is not something coming uh, from our sources. Uh, We published, as part of our policy of full disclosure, not interfering with the material, we published the Podesta uh, several Podesta emails, which shows uh, Podesta uh, uh, responding to a phishing email. Now, how yep. did they respond? Uh, P- Podesta gave out uh, that his password was the word password. Now, I think most of you know that, but if that's new information to you, that's it's true. Uh, 
Podesta gave out uh, that his password was the word password. Mm. Uh, his uh, own staff said, this email that you've received, uh, this is totally legitimate. That's also true. It's all in WikiLeaks. We've linked to it before. We've talked about it before. Now, later the guy says, oh, it was, it was autocorrect. What? That sounds like a bunch of crap. That sounds like that sounds like yeah. It was the it was the worst typo of my life. Okay, all right. This email that you've received, uh, this is totally legitimate. So so this is something a fourteen year old kid a fourteen year old kid uh, could have uh, based on that that way. In relation to computer security and uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, security, those Secretary of State emails. Uh, if, if you read closely FBI reports and the emails that we released related to Hillary Clinton, you'll see uh, uh, Aberdeen uh, had access to them, a variety yep, of yep. technicians at this yep. uh, very small IT company. I am so glad he said this because this is what was so frustrating to me, frustrating to me about the whole email investigation is so many other people had access to the Secretary of State's email. She was a BlackBerry fiend, and as, as soon as they started giving problems, she'd throw a fit and want another one immediately. And so there were IT people with her that had access to her BlackBerry, and Hillary didn't carry her BlackBerry herself. Who am I does? And you can see many pictures. We've, we've, I've played video uh, of Hillary laughing about Gaddafi's death where you can see Uma handing her the BlackBerry. Uma's already read it before she hands it to her. Had access to them. They were shipped through the post uh, uh, in a laptop. Uh, she had uh, uh, over a dozen different devices keyed in uh, to have access to them, including her iPad, iPads, etc. She made almost no attempt uh, to keep them secure from states. Now, uh, was she trying to keep them secure from the Republicans? Well, probably. Yes. But in, in terms of uh, well, foreign, foreign states, almost no attempt. The reason we have these laws, though, are for transparency and she wanted to avoid congressional oversight. Absolutely. absolutely. That's absolutely my interpretation as well. Now, WikiLeaks mine, mine too. Uh, has been a very strong proponent of the Freedom of Information Act. This is probably actually, if you think about it, probably against our interests uh-huh. as, as a publisher. Uh, but we believe that people have the right to know true information about what the government is doing. Uh, now, the Freedom of Information Act has been subverted. Uh, we published uh, Sarah Palin's emails. Why? Because she had, when she was governor of Alaska, she maintained uh, an account uh, Yahoo, right? Uh, that was being used, intentionally or not, uh, to evade yep. the Alaskan Freedom of Information Act. Uh, so we published them back in 2008. I remember that. Uh, that was actually pretty interesting. Uh, now, just one last Assange clip. He is really pissing people off with these interviews and these leaks. I can tell by your face, you don't like hearing what's coming out of Julian Assange's face. Why? <laughs> yeah, he said that. So this is the CNN response to Assange's interview on Fox. And this guy really goes all in. In fact, CNN, at least WikiLeaks claims, is going to get sued for defamation after this interview. Well, look, the, the question we face here wasn't asked last night, and I can't figure out why it wasn't. The question is pretty straightforward. It's not who gave you the information. It's are you aware of any Russian involvement in the hack, including private parties who might have been paid by the Russian security service? Oh, wait, what? I, 
No, we've pretty clearly been saying that the Russians gave it to WikiLeaks and Assange is sort of like one of their agents. We've been saying that. I don't know. You're saying that's not the case now. Paid by the Russian security service. I thought the interview was ridiculous because they skirted the bottom line. Do you know if the Russians were involved? Again, not where did you get the information? Ridiculous interview. Well, except for the argument this entire time has been that he got the information from the Russians. So... So this guy's making up a new thing now. This is like a new this is like a new defense to be upset about. And uh, Cuomo doesn't know not to ask him questions, I guess. Cuomo must have not gotten the note cuz he asked him a couple follow-up questions and this guy's logic just totally falls apart. Why isn't that contained in his answer of saying I got it from a DNC source or you know Seth Rich dead now um um oh shit, I probably should say something else. Uh got it from a DNC source or I got it from somebody else, not that not the Russian. No, not not Seth Rich, not a couple reasons. I think the, the primary reason is if the answer is he's aware of Russian involvement, why would he want to say that? That taints his whole operation. What? That that sentence structure doesn't make any sense. Those words don't go together. Say it again. From a DNC source or I got it from somebody else, not that, not the Russians. A couple reasons. I think the, the primary reason is if the answer is he's aware of Russian involvement, why would he want to say that? That taints his whole operation. I, I think I, I, what, what double level psychological analysis are you doing here? So you're saying that the the interview is invalid because they didn't ask if Russians were involved at all. And then you're saying he would never say if Russians are involved. So I, what was your previous criticism about then? I think in general, what he wants to do is to portray WikiLeaks as unbiased in, in terms of where it receives information and not mm. a paid party receiving stuff from uh, Russian security services. So I think there's a effort to protect WikiLeaks from a pedophile who lives in the Ecuadorian embassy Whoa! in London. This Whoa! I'm sorry, what did he just say? WikiLeaks as unbiased in, in terms of where it receives information and not mm. a paid party receiving stuff from... Uh, Russian security services. So I think there's a effort to protect WikiLeaks from a pedophile who lives in the Ecuadorian embassy. Wow. So yeah, WikiLeaks wants to sue for defamation. And then he wraps it up with what can only be a projection of how he feels about himself. See in London, this guy, this guy is not credible. <laughs> Did you see how he pointed at himself when he said that? <laughs> Watch. I'm sorry. I don't mean to belabor it, but this guy is such a winner. He's such a winner that I just feel like watch as he points at himself here when he says this guy is not credible. Receiving stuff from uh, Russian security services. So I think there's a effort to protect WikiLeaks from a pedophile who lives in the Ecuadorian embassy wow. in London. This guy's this guy is not credible. <laughs> His face. Oh, that is some great propaganda. Overtime. You see, this is why you stick around. You know what? That wouldn't be a bad ISO if anybody wants to make it for us. This guy is not credible. Okay, so let's play this clip. This is RT just rubbing it in, I guess. But it does make an interesting point. 
There has been a major leadership shift. All it takes for the world to turn upside down is seven months. One by one, the mighty fell. Their ideas were rejected. Their plans burned. So for you audio listeners, it's a table and uh, the big leaders around the world are being faded out. Merkel is the last standing uh, of this group of, you know, the people that made the bet to go into Syria. The people that made the bet to have Turkey... Via, via the NATO allies, train, fund, arm, etc., etc. Look at that table one more time if you're watching the video version there. It is interesting, isn't it? Something didn't work out for this group. Uh, a little uh, surprise announcement today as we're recording this episode of Unfilter. Your good friend, Megan Kelly, OMG, OMG, OMG. just made a big announcement. Finally tonight, a personal and professional note from me to you. After more than a dozen years at Fox News, I have decided to pursue a new challenge. This was a tough decision for me because I love this show, our staff, my crew, my I colleagues just, here at Fox, and you, all me? of you. What? Me? Those who write me the lovely handwritten notes what about asking the about my kids. What about the tweets? And even those who very rarely complain on Twitter oh, about me. our coverage after a show or a presidential debate. Now, I don't actually know most of you, so perhaps it's not true love. What are we doing right now, But it's now, the Megan? kind of feeling that makes one feel connected to another human being. What's happening? And that, after all, is why I believe we're here. Human connection. Are you are you ending your show with a super insincere moment? That's weird. The truth is, I need more of that in what? my life. What? Oh, In particular, I when it comes to my children, who are seven, five, and three. So I'll be leaving Fox News at the week's end and starting a new adventure. Joining the journalists at NBC News, who I deeply admire. What? I'll be anchoring a daytime show there, along with a Sunday night news magazine. And you'll see me there on the big nights, too, for politics and such. I am very grateful to NBC for this opportunity. And I am deeply thankful to Fox News for the wonderful 12 years I have had here. I have grown up here and been given every chance a young reporter could ever ask for. The Murdoch family has been kind and good to me at every turn, and my colleagues are like a second family. That's a weird thing she just did right there. So I will miss them and this show and you. And I hope our human connection continues, albeit over a different line. Thank you for watching. Wow. With love. So uh, that's interesting. And there was a time, there was a time where if you were a Fox News anchor, you pretty much didn't go anywhere else. You maybe went to some of the MSNBCs or the CNNs, but you definitely didn't go to NBC. But Megyn Kelly did. Now, her contract was up in the summer anyways. So she – this isn't a huge surprise to Fox. I think they've been discussing this for a while. All right. You know, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Something made me feel like an old man recently. I mean I, I, I found out about this recently. 
I like I'm talking recently, and it turns out this is like a big thing for 2016. Maybe it's because I don't watch sports, but at least I know that Paul Ryan also apparently has no idea what dabbing is. Well, we told you earlier about the swearing in of the new U.S. Congress. The son of one new Republican representative may be in trouble after trying to upstage his dad. It happened at a photo op with House Speaker Paul Ryan, of all people. Watch him sneak in the dab while everyone else was focused on the cameras. He does a dab. And Paul Ryan said, y'all right? Y'all right? You're going to put your hand down? You're going to sneeze? <laughs> no, gentlemen, that's not what the mug man is doing. You have all know, of course, the dab, the dance move featuring a raised arm. It was everywhere in 2016. Rappers, football players, even Hillary Clinton dab. Oh, House geez. Speaker Paul Ryan later tweeted, just finished swearing in photos. Nearly 300 members, countless cute kids still don't get what dabbing is, though. Oh, geez. All right, I couldn't help myself. I had to have a little fun with it. <laughs> you probably thought I was talking about something else. Uh-huh. You just outed yourself. All right, that's the end of Overtime for the Unfilter Show. Why don't you join us live? You Not only do you get to hear it while it's being made, but you get to listen in the original order. And I'm about to go screw off for a few minutes until Chase gets here. You could be here screwing off with me right now. And if you're lucky, it might actually be up on our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash unfilter when YouTube doesn't pull us down. But uh, we do get a little cray-cray on the live stream. Yeah, I know about cray-cray. It's totes lit. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next week.